Hey everyone, Father John from the podcast. Hard to believe it's been 10 years since we first started this thing back in January of 2010. This January 11th, we're going to celebrate the 10th anniversary with a live podcast here in Denver. All the hosts will be there and we hope you can join us. It's going to be an 18 over event at St. John Vianney Theological Seminary in Denver, Colorado. If you'd like an invitation, we're going to send them out via paperless post. So send us your email at catholicstuffpodcast.com at gmail.com, and if you can do that before December 11th, we'd be really grateful for our planning purposes. Our friend Kat Gallagher, the one and only, will be there, and we hope you can meet her that night. And We look forward to celebrating with you, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you in January. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Check it, check it. Got the metronome on. Check it, check it. Got the metronome on. Do do the entire podcast of the metronome sound in the background? Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. This is Catholic Stuff. Welcome, everybody, to the Catholic Stuff. It's Olo back. California times are coming back. When you're going to turn the metronome? When you're going to turn the metronome off? Oh. Now, now I don't think they're gonna hear that. So they can't hear the metronome, but I did. to the metronome in our in our headphones. And I, yeah, and he's here. I'm here. I was actually gonna. Tr- I was thinking earlier today that we need to take. Mm. We don't have. We don't. When when poor Andrea puts up our photos for the podcast on social media, <laughs> she she always, never has like updated ones. It's uh-huh, always like uh-huh. our random adventures or years ago. So yeah. or seasons ago at least. And I was thinking like I need to bring a Dodgers hat. You don't have to do that. <laughs> In my house. <laughs> Just for Father Nathan to throw up. Father Michael has been staying in my house recently. He's used it as a quarantined, um, Ugh. like, uh, what's it called? Sick bed. Yeah, sick bed. Sick bay. Sick bay. Ugh. Sick bay. And I'm noticing that he Uh-oh. decided to pull out the lamps. He decided <laughs> to pull out the lights in the basement. He pulled he pulled them out of the, the their canisters and pointed them away from his bed. So let me let me tell you why I did this. Did you know that that as soon as I turn off the light switch, all the all the outlets turn off? Yes. So I cannot charge my phone overnight. True. So literally all I can do is start trying to charge my phone and I had to pull those out because the light was so I fell asleep. Oh. Like for the first time with them with them on but pointing away just to charge my phone and then I would wake up, turn them off, turn it off and then go back to sleep. So that that's why they're sticking out of their sockets right now. Yeah. <laughs> It's really easy to put back in. I promise I will do no, it. No, I believe that. Okay. I, it does. I knew exactly what you were doing. Okay. <laughs> but it, I, I had talked to my maintenance guys about changing that, which means they haven't done it yet. So, yeah, no. anywho, they're not podcast listeners, so they're exactly. not going to get this memo. <laughs> we're shaming you, maintenance men. They're, I mean, Olo's back. He's uh, he's enjoying some time in Colorado. Yes, he's back. Yeah. Are you, uh, you were at a baptism? <laughs> right? I was. John, Father John Neville just texted me something that is really funny that I could never tell you. Yeah, I, I could I know never exactly. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so proud. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> it's actually very similar. Anyway, I'll stop. I'll stop. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so what were you saying? Oh, yes. Hey, I, everybody, I, I, if I, you feel <laughs> awkward right now, if you feel awkward right now, you don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what he's talking about either, but it, it, we all laugh. Exactly. So you're home for a baptism. I'm home for a baptism and a wedding, and I happen to be home for a funeral. It was a very priestly, priestly time here. I, I did a wedding, and then I baptized my nephew. Those are the two main reasons for coming. Also, St. Vincent de Paul Gala tonight, and then— Oh, uh, that's tonight. That's tonight, and then— They requested one of the podcast members, and none of us knew about this. <laughs> so it works out great. Olo gets to be yeah. social, and I, I get to, you know, ignore my email. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so, so I got that. And then I, uh, happened to be here for Tim Pinnock's funeral, yeah. eternal memory, Tim, uh, glorious. That was, I was just telling Matt Tynan this morning. I said, one of the, one of the unintended beauties of the companions of Christ, our fraternity is that when we show up, we show up in force. So like for force. my, for my grandmother's funeral, packed altar for Tim's funeral packed. I mean, it was just, it's such a, a witness to the fraternity that, you know, if one of our family members dies, like, you know, Father Matt's dad, you know, we, we show up mm-hmm. and we support each other and the, the altar is full of young Orthodox priests. And I think it's it's yeah. just beautiful that way. Yeah, it was nice because, I mean, for Tim Pinnock, I mean, he, 
died on the feast of Charles Borromeo. Mm. Um, I thought he was going to die on All Souls Day, which I thought had been pretty cool. But yeah. instead, he died on Charles Borromeo, which is beautiful because he had a real love uh, for seminarians and priests. And uh, Charles Borromeo was the patron saint of seminarians. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, he, when he got buried, Father John, uh, his household, I don't, he obviously didn't tell him they had to come to this. Um, but the guys from uh, Sacred Heart or uh, St. Joseph's house yeah. um, showed up for the burial, you know? And uh, so can I read you the text that Maggie sent me? Yeah, please. So um, so it was beautiful to see those guys there. And before the funeral, I just wanted to see um, uh, Maggie's kids, so Tim Pinnock's uh, grandkids, because mm-hmm. uh, they're young and they don't, they don't know exactly what's going on, but... Yeah. Um, uh, so I said to Maggie, I was like, she thanked me for going out to see them. They were in the car and, uh, they, they, the, the boys had gone back to the side of the burial. They'd gone back to the, uh, his grave site okay. afterwards because Paul, who's what, four, three, I don't know. He said, quote, they had to go back to make sure, quote, they covered the hole so no robbers would get him. <laughs> Because I saw a guy in a black hat, and I thought it was a robber. But then he said hi to me, and it was Father Nathan. <laughs> and I'm like, was this, was this a dream? And she goes, no, I was in my cassock. I was in my cassock, and they were in the car beforehand. Okay. They were in the car, like, waiting for the funeral to start, because they didn't want the boys, like, you know, there beforehand. Yeah. And uh, so I walked up to the car because her husband said, oh, yeah, they're in the car. So mm-hmm. Dex is like, yeah, just go over to the car. And Maggie's in there. So I go in there and I get in the car and Maggie's like, hey. And then the guys are kind of like, ah. And then they realized it was me. So apparently I looked like I was a big robber. <laughs> were you wearing a black hat? Or? Yep. No thought you no. They thought you were a robber getting into our car yesterday since you were all in black. <laughs> all right as if they don't hang an hour enough priests i mean it was weird like i got in the car and i was i was i was handling i was holding a crowbar and wearing a ski mask <laughs> right through the radio <laughs> right yeah, trying to boost the radio <laughs> anyhow so yeah you were back for all that yeah so it was glorious cool. like week and a half thank god i have a so at my parish in, in la there's a romanian community that meets after mine so we have our liturgy, and then the Romanians come in, have their liturgy afterwards. So there's this young priest. It's his only job, and he, Father Adrian, he comes in, and he can cover for me any Sunday. I need him. Wow. Because he just does, and if he needs to go, then I can cover for him. It's it's a really beautiful situation, you know, almost like having a vicar in the parish. But, yeah. you know, so, yeah, so it was really cool. I could just say, hey, bud, can you cover for me so I can go back and do a bunch of sacraments I was going to do before I got reassigned. There you go. It's good hanging out with people here too. Sorry to all those I could not see, um, but my days were packed. And, and he was sick. And I was sick for like three You days. know that Olo's oh. sick when his car is in the garage before nine o'clock <laughs> and he's already in bed. Yeah. Yeah. I went I went days of just downing NyQuil without even using the cup. Just like Yep. <laughs> Probably not the healthiest thing. We learned an important thing. So um, y- you can't, you have a esophageal restriction. Yeah. Which we knew before. <laughs> That's true. You and I did an experiment. I've seen that <laughs> in motion before. Um, and uh, But he can't take NyQuil pills. Yeah. Because they're too big. too big. So then I decided to milk a NyQuil pill. Um, and, uh, that's actually harder than you think. Um, there's a very dense exterior, um, but then the liquid is, is rather paltry. So the question is, uh, is, uh, the, is the exterior, like the, the coating, is there medicine in that? Or is it just the capsule? Yeah. I think, I think it must be, there must be some medicine. Dear scientists. It must be because it it doesn't need to be that thick. I mean, But, but I came up with an idea for you. Okay. We should have dissolved it in hot water to see how long it would take to, or to see what would happen when it. No, I mean, as soon as you as soon as you put the pill in hot water, oh, my right. guess is that that coating would start to come off because yeah. the whole point is that it's going to dissolve in your stomach. Yeah. So then you could just drink that. Oh, if you were in a pinch, yeah, yeah, if you're no, in a you're pinch. Right, you're right. I mean, as opposed to like making me go out and buy you liquid. <laughs> I mean, you could have just done that. By the way, look over there. I I bought you. No, I'll take it back. I bought you the, some the person that the person go. that drinks the most of that is Father John. Oh yeah, I just give it to him. Then. He likes that stuff. 
No, it's, I'll take it. Great. Thank you. They That's actually did kind. a uh, Dayquil and NyQuil. They did a, a ID check on me when I bought that at the store. I know. I guess you could make heroin out of it or something. Well, you meth. can, uh, yeah, you you can make meth Use it for the alcohol, I guess, too. Is yeah, and the Sudafed, I mean, I get the Sudafed over, you know, the prescription strength or whatever that you can get over the counter, but you have to show your... You have to show your driver's license and sign something or whatever. So, yeah. fingerprint, whatever. Anywho, all right. He Olo had a topic uh, and said, "I got to come back to do this topic." Yeah. So, and I um, want to do it with you too. You specifically chose me. I did because you're a liturgy dude. So I, I, I actually want to do. Is that right, or is it because I thought you said something about like that I was the man who would fight for your honor? <laughs> I'll be the hero. You're dreaming of. <laughs> Will of forever knowing together that we did it all for the glory of love. Father Nathan gets a song stuck in his head or something stuck in his head. I get it. Yeah. Sings it or says it for. <laughs> can you do the uh, Can you do the impression, please? I, I want this on a recording, so I go back. Let's do it. The impression of the Polish priest doing the, <laughs> the kiss of peace. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So uh, there was a priest. There's a priest in. Uh, this is good because we're talking about liturgy. <laughs> yeah. So let's do the bad liturgy first um, and then we can get to the good liturgy. Um, there was a priest in Denver, a uh, Polish priest, and uh, I was at Mass once and he goes, he, he goes, uh, let us all share with one another a sign of Christ's peace. No kisses, it's Lent. And then everybody's like, ha, 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 ha. You know, and then they kind of mill around and, you know, he's just waiting. I mean, he's just like a tiger. He's waiting to drop this line. And then as soon as people kind of stop, you know, kind of murmuring and whatever, and then it's time, he goes, brothers and sisters, the only reason why I say no kisses is because there is no one up here to give me kisses, Lamb of God. You take away this sins. And I was just like, oh my gosh. So uh, yeah, it was it was pretty impressive, you know. But at that moment, I'm like, I don't know. That that is like I don't don't say his name because that like that the is the only like, reason why I say no kisses <laughs> is there is no one up there to give me kisses, Lamb of God. You take away. That is like at the heart of the abuses of the reform Roman right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, ma- making it. Lamb of God is such a beautiful prayer, and then people are not going to remember the Lamb of God. And he wasn't emphasizing the Lamb of God. He's emphasizing some joke, which was hilarious, but it doesn't work. At that Poor context. timing. Oh. Oh. Poor timing. So just I, I kind of hinted at this before, but I just to go through quickly what I want to do, and I, I have not, I have not okay. come up with the application yet. So that's what we're going to do, hopefully during this podcast. But application, the application of my of my topic, like lipstick or la- well, chapstick or something. Yeah, the application, exactly. like, like the application, like chapstick. okay, not like not like you can sign up for something. Um, you're right, right. So so so. This is my thought. Here we go. This is the first time I've ever seen Olo with a flight plan. Please. Yeah, and I, I just I just scrawled some stuff down in an envelope. But um, there is something about, and I've been thinking about this for a while, there's something our society is missing um, with communities. This is another Catholic Stuff You Should Know podcast on community, which we do a lot of those, I know. But but there's something about interdependence. And, and in our society, there's a lot of independence, and there's a lot of codependence. Both of those are problematic, but interdependence is is a historical reality, is very human, where you have societies, you have communities set up where people actually depend upon each other enough where there's always freedom to leave. There, there's nowhere near codependence. There's always freedom to leave, find a different community. But there's something about saying we all have roles in the family, in the community, the neighborhood, whatever it is. We all have roles, and we could not do without each other, or at least somebody fulfilling that role, so that it creates a, a natural and a necessary and healthy bonding of persons, and we all fulfill a role. It, it, it's, it's vocation, right? Look at the scriptures, the one body of Christ, and we all have our different gifts given by the Holy Spirit and given by God to fulfill. And St. Paul lists these things many times. And so we not everybody in the community needs to speak in tongues or interpret tongues. Not everybody needs to be a governor. Not everybody needs to be, you know, a, a, an apostle, a prophet. Um, you And you don't need to be, so you, as long as you have a prophet or an apostle in your community, then you can say our community is whole. We we, we have the entire body of Christ gathered here. But we, in, in our modern society, what is promoted is independence. We should all be independent. We should not really need each other. I put myself first. Yeah. And what is the reality is codependence, where it's an unhealthy 
need for someone to be dependent upon me. And I find peace and I find purpose in in wow. either being completely dependent upon one person. So if they leave, I am debilitated and broken or yeah. saying that person is that dependent upon me and I'm going to make sure they are so that if they leave or if they try to leave, they're going to realize that they can't function in society. That's part of codependence. In Interdependence means that we, with full volition, and, and in a healthy way, have created a community where we don't need to be all things to all people. I, I can I can have one skill set given by God, you can have the other, and we work together for the, the thriving of our community. Mm-hmm. So we don't really see that. I mean, I, I don't know... I don't know any really good examples of what that looks like or any healthy way. So whenever that happens, what do I turn to to find it? The liturgy. I think the liturgy can can say, especially so, like in in the business. So this is why I want to talk to you. I, I need you to give the Roman Catholic perspective nice. on it, the Roman liturgy. So, good for instance, call. within within I, I've been ordained to six different ordinations, and and each of those has a purpose in the liturgy. So. I was ordained a lector, namely the person that that re- reads the epistle, the first reading, a cantor, the person who leads the congregational singing. I was ordained a candle bearer. In other words, the person, the acolyte, those who, who carry the candles in, in the processions that are up on the altar. Mm-hmm. Then I was ordained a subdeacon. A subdeacon is the sacristan. The subdeacon is also like a, a higher level of altar server. Then I was ordained a deacon. The deacon obviously has major roles of service within the, especially within the liturgy, and I was ordained a priest. Those are six, then then there's a bishop. If you you really a typical Byzantine liturgy should have all seven of those. If you're missing one of those seven roles, you're actually missing a part of, of the of a most authentic ideal divine liturgy. And so if you look at that and say, the cantor is is gonna also be represent the people. The 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 people in the congregation are led by the cantor. <laughs> so you might group all them together. So you need all seven of these roles to have an authentic perfect ideal divine liturgy. That rarely happens, of course, but that's what you should have. So <coughs> the church knows that to have a functioning liturgy, and then I also, I won't go through all those now, <coughs> I broke the liturgy into seven parts, the Byzantine liturgy, and <coughs> I don't know if I'll have time for this, but there's something about saying we look at the roles in the liturgy and we look at the structure of the liturgy and then say, what can we take from those roles and structures that are ancient, <coughs> put there by the Holy Spirit, that then can teach us something about how we should live true, authentic interdependence within our community lives. I mean, that's interesting because, I mean, we as Romans would say you can have a uh, private mass. We would allow for that. For the Byzantines, they I don't think they would. You can't, you can't have a private mass. You need, you need one or, one, at least one other person there, and it's where two or three are gathered. But I take that back. It, it is valid if you do it alone. It is, but, mm-hmm. but it's, it really should not. Sure. Be the case. Yeah, but I mean, you do have, I mean, Father John celebrated who knows how many masses, either by himself or just with one other priest. Um, I, we, I think we would say the fullness, the fullness is present. I think that the, the documents point to this. The fullness of the Roman liturgy, and if and it's in many ways, all liturgies, is present when you have all of the orders, all the orders present, holy orders. Right. A bishop, priest, and deacon, um, and the people in various arrays. Right. So the religious, the religious, the um, yeah, I mean the the moms groups, the widows, yeah. the families, the old, the disabled, the young, um, all of them. You know, and I think there's a way in which uh, when you see that done and done well, you are encouraged because you see the the body. Um, the body of Christ uh, present in all of its array, because that is that is true. Because that is one of the one of the times, like during the mass, during the divine liturgy, where you have ideally, for instance, like how how does how does a, a mother whose maybe husband is a deacon just to take take an extreme example, you, you have a, a woman whose husband is a deacon, he's on the altar. Say they have twelve kids. Take an extreme example. They have twelve kids. How is that mother, is her role to, to pray the liturgy, to participate in it as fullness as she can, and to take care of 12 kids? No. I mean, I, I, it's possible, but you have older kids taking care of younger kids. You probably have the widows in the parish carrying a kid or two. Sure. You have the teenagers in the parish carrying a kid or two. I mean, there, there's even interdependence in the participation in the congregation. I was just talking about on the altar. But even in the congregation, you have 
you know, okay, so somebody's in a wheelchair and, you know, they need to motion. This happened in, in LA one of the first times. I, I, somebody had to motion to me when I came out to say, approach with the fear of God and with faith for the, liter- for the Eucharist. Somebody had to say, you know, look, Father, wheelchair over here. I was like, oh, you know, would I have been... Look at them. Would oh. I, <laughs> would I, I was kind of nervous, obviously, my first liturgy, and I just wasn't thinking that much. And so I thought, oh, <coughs> I need somebody to point it out. So there's certainly that within the congregation. There's, there's that aspect on the altar. But I, I haven't taken, like, each of those seven orders and said, here's, their, here's how those seven orders apply to... I don't know if we should even. But I, the parts of the liturgy, I think, are more important for that, to say, here, here is kind of... Uh, a, a process of going from the world to God. It's a process of theosis, a little, um, a little mini microcosm of, of the life of holiness and the life of the faith encapsulated in one mass, in one liturgy. And I think that that's kind of where you say, if we're looking for examples, you don't have many of them to say, hey, look how this community acts. That's how we, our community should be. We can look to the liturgy and say, let, let, let this inform us on, on how the story of the liturgy, if you will, inform us on how to live a life of interdependence in our, in our daily lives. Mm, I think it could be a stretch to say every, every person finds a unique role in the liturgy. That's sort of like, to me, like everybody's got to be in the parade. If you're not in the parade, you can't be an audience member. You can't be an audience member and also be participating. But you, you have also to, you have to you have to have a a task. But it's also absurd to have a parade without an audience. True, so, but, so the, but there active, is that role. An active participation. I mean, a lot of times people get confused. Active participation with you've got to volunteer for something. You've got to be an usher, a lector, uh, a Eucharistic minister, a sacristan, a cantor, whatever. Yeah. You can't just be in the pew and participating along with the liturgy, which is wrong. Right, because you, 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 the people in the pew and in, in the congregation should be actively participating as much as anybody else. Yeah, they just don't. They don't have to have a unique right, you know, like pin that designates them as I'm the guy that organizes the gift bearers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's what I mean by if if you take those seven orders that I said the people would fit into in that structure into the cantors. The, the, the cantor just leads the people. That's their job. The, no, nobody sings anything other than what the cantor is doing, especially in our Byzantine tradition. It's called prostopenia or plain chant. It's just you don't sing anything that people can't sing. You don't go too high. You don't go too low. You don't go too fast, too slow. You, you, sing, you sing in a way that every person can sing that melody at that pace. That, that's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah, that's the goal. Of course, Some do it happening. better than others. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, my question is, you're saying that the only job that the people would have that they would fit in that schema is as cantors? Unless, well, in the early church, you were ordained. You didn't do any of those unless you were ordained to. You didn't read the epistle. You didn't read the first right. reading unless you were ordained to do it. Yeah. So, so you're, you're called, I mean, th- those were vocations from God, blessed by the church, ordained by the church for the ordination. But, but the role of the people, which is a separate thing, not ordained, that they would, within that structure, if you're just looking for a, a community of interdependence, they would be, their role is not to carry the candles. Their role is not to do the epistle. Their role is not to be the deacon. Their role is to is to sing along with the cantor and have that active. I mean, obviously, the role of the people in the in the, in the pews in the congregation is the main reason why we're there. I mean, that the, the we're there sure. for the holiness of the lay people. All all everybody on the altar is at the service of the people. They're the they're the main function. Um, but when you when you see when you have a society or when you have the body of Christ and you're finding these different vocations, these different gifts, I think one of the ways that that's experienced most often by the people is in the liturgy, because hmm. because we experience that at least once a week. And I would say that uh, the interdependence, if I if I can take it in a different direction, would be um, that it's not just the people that I agree with or I'm comfortable with. But that I actually need other persons to remind me in the liturgy that I'm called to serve all persons. Right. You know, that's why I think it's dangerous when you get into sort of uh, boutique ministries where you're only working with a certain group of persons. Yeah. You forget that no, I'm actually called to serve all of them, and somehow their gifts aid me yeah. in receiving a, a deeper, um, a deeper identity and a deeper receptivity to the other. That that was Chapu being Chapu. I mean, I, I think I told that story in the podcast where I went to him and I said, hey, could I do, I'm by ritual now, can I do a mass 
in Civic Center Park in downtown Denver because that's where the homeless are. And we'll, we'll have a mass for the homeless. And I, I, it's, I'm just going to go to where they are. I'll set up a little mini altar. I'll announce it. I'll invite a bunch of other people, of course. I'll announce what Eucharist is, what communion is. But we're just going to bring it to the people. It's like on a university campus where they have mass on the lawn, right? We're going to where the people are. And and he was like, why don't you just invite them to the church? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, you're so right. Like, why am I separating them out? And just why don't I say, look, we need you because we need the whole community in our churches. Come, take a pew, walk in, you know, and I'll, I'll just, I'll, you know, invite you to come and we'll have a, you know, a special day, we'll have dinner afterwards, whatever it is. Yeah. Like, why, why am I separating them out from the community and making a special homeless mass when every mass should be for them? I, I mean, one of my favorite moments of the liturgy is actually when the liturgy is completely done. Um, so it's kind of outside the liturgy, but it's sort of, you know, paraliturgical, of will. It kind of goes along with the liturgy, which is the moments after Mass in which you greet the people mm. and kind of talk to them afterwards. Because a lot of times, it the line of persons is the whole gamut of the Christian life. Yeah. Last weekend, the people that I saw after a certain Mass were both, like, super excited you know, just got back from their honeymoon, very happy. Another couple that I made eye contact but didn't want to talk. They had just lost their dad, mm. you know. And you see all the different walks and you see all the different um, moments and you realize that the liturgy is able to feed mm. all of them. Yeah. That all of them came for a different purpose and all were fed in a different way. Yeah. Um, and one could say that all were well, no, never mind. No, I don't like that. I don't actually know that song. One, one could say that and should not sing it. Right. So um, I, I think I, what I like about the concept of interdependence is that I rely upon these others and not just people need me. Right. Because the codependence is you need me. Right. And I think the priest... The priest can live a codependent existence pretty easily mm-hmm. because people need something that the priest is able to communicate. Yeah. But what we got into trouble with in the abuse crisis is they didn't just need the priest, they needed Jesus. Yeah. And sometimes I think we substituted personality, yeah. you know? And sometimes the priest likes that substitution. I mean, the priest... You know, unfortunately, liked being no necessary kisses, to the point of being, <laughs> being, the, being the savior and being the one who gets yeah. all the attention. And you know, I, I have to I have to boast about myself for one second. I've been I've been out of the parish now almost two and a half months. If I may boast, if I may boast, I will boast in the Lord. Not as far as I know, not a single person has left the parish. Great, which is I mean, I was so that is a good sign. I said like that. I told the people I was like. You, you, the the my greatest legacy is going to be that nobody leaves after I leave. So no, it's not it's not a personality cult at all. You're here for the Byzantine liturgy. You're here for Jesus. Did you celebrate yesterday? I did. How was it? I couldn't celebrate it yesterday. Yeah, with Father. Oh, okay, you great. Con- great. Yeah, it was it was good. It, it was it was really weird to kind of be to be looking around like the altar at what needs to be cleaned and fixed and and saying like I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> like you know, I'm looking around at and and seeing oh who's here and what do I say to bring them back? And I'm just like that is not my that's not my job anymore. You know, right. it was it was it was kind of peaceful. And also, I liked the fact that I concelebrated because I sat there and watched him, yeah, the new pastor in his element with his people, and yeah. and kind of was able to observe because that was my, one of my biggest concerns when I found that I was leaving before I knew who was taking my place. I was just heavy in prayer about, you know, obviously I love these people. Who's going to be their new shepherd, their new dad, if you will? And and yeah. and so it was it was great to see him now with the people I loved leading them in his style and his way and stuff like that, preaching in his way. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it. Um, so yeah, so that was good. So anyway, if you don't mind, I might just go through these parts of the liturgy. You can throw in the Roman yeah, parts sure, yeah. um, when you want. And then I just want to, like, again, I haven't developed how these things apply to interdependence, but I think I think it should be there. I just believe it is. So I don't want to demean the liturgy at all, so I'm just going to say what part of the liturgy is and then what it, what it symbolizes. I don't want to change the liturgy for the sake of interdependence. I'd rather change interdependence for the sake of liturgy. So okay. look at authentic liturgy and then say, how does it, if, if this does, how does this apply to a life of community and, and what beautiful interdependence within the community looks like? So... The very beginning, at least of, of the part that I'm going to describe here, there's obviously different ways of breaking up the liturgy, the mass. But the first part that is uh, that is the first words said 
that the people are aware of. So there's this whole proscomedia that happens Mm -hmm. behind the closed doors. In other words, the people don't see that part. That has a part to play as well, I'm sure. But the first thing that people hear in the Byzantine liturgy is, blessed is the kingdom of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So what this does is this, this in a sense, Father Nathan and I were talking beforehand about the different ways of looking at liturgy. You can look at it um, through the allegorical lens. In other words, this symbolizes this and this symbolizes this. All of that's there. You can see Jesus's entire life within the divine liturgy. There's this beautiful set of icons or of paintings that have the life of Jesus on one side of it and then the part of the liturgy that represents that part of his life on the other side of it. And it goes through the entire divine liturgy and all seven sacraments. It's beautiful. That's one way of looking at the liturgy, allegorical. Another way is, you said it, top, topolog- tropological. tropological, which is a moral way, right? Mm-hmm. L- looking, at for, looking at for certain moral teachings, here's how to live, here's how not to live. Um, but the one here that, especially with that, the, probably is the most ancient and authentic way of looking at it is the eschatological. This is how how celebrating the Mass of the liturgy now breaks into eternity. The, it, it points to and allows us to engage in the second coming of Christ in heaven, in eternity. So when we say, blessed is the kingdom of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we're talking about, we're saying, we are now out of the kingdom of the world, we're now in the kingdom of God. Hmm. We, we, we've, in a sense, moved into the eschaton, moved into the beyond the second coming, into eternity, into what's already going on in heaven. Um, so there, there's there's something about now we're outside of, in a way, outside of space and time, and here we are living within, in an eternal way, within the eschaton, and the liturgy is going to guide us to how that lives. Okay. So, in other words, true interdependence is going to happen when? Heaven. Hmm. In the afterlife, when we're doing it perfectly, when we're living in, within the body of Christ, we all understand our roles. There's no jealousy. There's no discernment. We're just living out our vocations for all eternity within the body of Christ in heaven, along with the angels, etc. Like that, yeah. So, so the, in other words, that tells me. Again, I'm thinking. I'm just speaking as I think. That tells me that that will. There's never going to be perfect interdependence in community. We're always going to be struggling and battling and jealous of each other's gifts and and not using ours wisely. Um, but we we are pointing and moving towards the reality of the true fulfilled body of Christ in the eschaton, in the parousia, in the afterlife, in heaven. Mm-hmm. So. All right, second thing, the first part of the liturgy. So the first part of the liturgy for us is when uh, we gather all the people, and then we sing, come to the feast of heaven and earth. And then people are like, ah. Oh. <laughs> but truly, I mean, uh, I, would, I would admit, our entrance antiphons at times, mm. uh, they speak of the heavenly reality. Okay. Um, and because they are either speaking of Jesus' words about what he will give, to those who are faithful, or the Psalms, which speak of what we already receive by, you know, like our participation in Christ. So, um, so I would say for us that that can be that moment. I don't know what the second moment is, so I don't want to jump ahead. But I, I would say like either either the um, either the entrance antiphon, the opening song, which sometimes they're good, um, uh, but um, and then the opening words, you know, in the name of the Father. Yeah. That we're gathered together. Why are we here? We're gathered in the name of the Father and Son and Spirit. And then, actually, the beginning of I like, I like the penitential um, aspect of the beginning of the Mass. But we we actually don't have that in the beginning of ours. We, What's the second thing? I was going to go to the the Holy Holy Holy. So for us, the sec. I mean, the first. If you're doing that, then I would say that first moment would be both that or the. Confidier, because in that we say, if you're looking for moments of interdependence, mm-hmm. that's where we say, and I confess to you, uh, my brothers and sisters, and to Almighty God, that I have greatly sinned. And I ask, Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord of God, our God. So it's actually acknowledging that it's not just, it's my fault that I've done things that have hurt others, but at the same time, I ask the you, brothers and sisters, the ones that I've hurt, to actually help me. Uh, you know, to grow, to yeah. you know, be forgiven. And that's a good point, because that actually changes what I was going to say, because with right after the blessings of the kingdom, the people say amen, which is just a corporate I agree, and then the first three petitions of the litany of peace. So the first three petitions that you hear right after the blessings of the kingdom is, in peace, let us pray to the Lord, for peace from on high and for the salvation of souls, for peace in the whole world. Mm-hmm. So those three pieces, in peace means those of us gathered here. 
we are at peace with each other, and let us pray to the Lord. The second one is peace from on high, peace with God. So we're at peace with each other. We're praying for that. The second thing is we're praying for peace with God. That's the second thing. And then the third thing is we're praying for peace with the entire creation, peace in the whole world. So there is this there is this otherworldly, we understand that we want peace, we should have peace. That doesn't happen in the world, but there is something about interdependence that, that and you could say, are we at peace with each other? That's actually a test of the community life. True peace, not fake peace, not, not, not forced peace, but true peace. And that ends with the holy, holy, holy. So the holy God, holy, mighty, holy, and immortal, because that is, that is not only the imitation of the angels who are celebrating the true liturgy in heaven, like, like true liturgy, true Christ offering himself to his father is happening in heaven. That's where the angels are doing it perfectly. We represent and imitate the angels by singing holy God, holy and mighty, holy and mortal here on earth. And we do that. And that is that is not only participation, but it's also, as we know, the word holy expresses a certain sense of awe and it points to God. You know, ho- holy, holy, holy in one sense means I'm ineloquent about you, Lord. And as I'm looking at you, I'm mm-hmm. saying you are holy. In other words, you are other. You are different. Yeah. You are beyond. That'd be our Gloria. Okay. I think that'd be our Gloria. So, so how does that apply then, the glory of the holy, 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 and the litany of peace to interdependence? Or just community life, true, good community life? I don't know. So I mean, I, the, source, the source of all communions in God. So right. the source of all communions in God. So then by giving praise to God, it's somehow going to trickle into us you know we we glorify him and in turn we are glorified so we're we're only magnifying we're magnifying god not so that we can glorify ourselves but in god we have been made great right that's what i would say when i when i was in college i i needed friends so bad that if i got invited out by anybody it didn't matter what i had to do that night i would always go because I always had FOMO. I was always afraid of missing out on something that was going to be bonding for the rest of their life. I was so afraid that, look, everybody else in my little group is going to have this experience that becomes an inside joke and becomes like, oh, remember that day? And, oh, oh, that's right, Olo, you weren't there. Like, you were home finishing up that project. And I was so paranoid about that that I would go out and I'd do an all-nighter all the time to get my work done. Um, but, But the moment that changed was then the moment I realized that, my friendships were not based on experiences nearly as much as they were based upon Christ himself. So if all of my friendship was based on Christ, then I'm not going to be left out. I'm not going to miss out. Even if I do miss out on these experiences, there's something deeper that binds me to these communities and these friends, and that is Christ. So the singing holy, holy, holy together, like the angels are, is a bonding moment, and, and it does create the community where it would be very odd for someone to say, my only new friends are the ones who I share these experiences with, where within the body of Christ, within the, the different vocations, different experiences, different gifts, that's where if a community reflects and says, do I have, do I call friends and do I let people impact me and I impact them in our lives of interdependence? Is it based upon the building of the kingdom of God? Is it based upon the building of the body of Christ? Or is it merely based upon like the more utilitarian model of I get something from these friends. They make me feel good. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think if we if we feel like we're left out, I mean, this happens to me. I just, it's just my personality type, my temperament, where I will say, I, a lot of my friends, I say, I love these friendships and I don't really know what I offer to the group. It's, it's, it's the stupid insecurity thing. But, but I actually, if you say within a community, there should be at least an awareness of obviously God gave you gifts and, and within this focus on God, that's where you'll see your value, not just on your focus on the daily life of the community, but within, within our, all of our common focus and praise of God, you will find your value. You'll find your place within this community. And, and what we need from you as a community and what you contribute. You getting tired? I'm just thinking you're going to be needing to get on your horse if you're going to do all seven of these <laughs> in under an hour. <laughs> all right. Next one. Uh, what comes after that, of course, the scripture, epistle, gospel, mm-hmm. word of God. Um, this is where we hear the written Word of God, we venerate it. We in Byzantine Church, we actually kiss the gospel book, right? There's a veneration, there's a treasuring, there's a 
there's a perception. This is not the active part of the liturgy nearly as much as it is the the receptive part. This is where we listen to God by listening to his word and allow the response in faith, which comes later, but listening to the word of God to to actually make us into the body of Christ and establish us in the kingdom. Any thoughts on how the word of God can contribute to I'm just thinking, let, let's just say that, that there's a charter for a community. Like here's our charter and and we're we're gonna base we're gonna base like if you consider Matthew five the charter for the kingdom of God. Matthew if you read Matthew five, the Sermon on the Mount, here's what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Say a constitution. And so this is, if you want to be part of the kingdom of God, read Matthew chapter five. It's going to be, you know, blessed to the poor, beatitudes, all these Mm -hmm. things. This is what we believe to be part of this community. If we're going to write a chapter, uh, a charter, a a constitution for our interdependent community, beautiful interdependent community, um, where, what can the word of God inform us about what should take place in that constitution? Is that a question? Sorry. Yes. I can do, you know, I can do monologue. I don't want to do monologue. No, but I mean, like, I, I, yeah, the whole gospel is the, is how Jesus makes us interdependent. So I don't think okay. you, I don't think you can just say like, well, we're just going to take this one, you know? Oh yeah, no. Like, no. so I, I would say the gospel moment, I, 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 the gospel moment is the one in which Today, on this day, we're going to reflect together on this passage. Yeah. And no matter where you are in your own spiritual life, this is where you're going to come, and you're going to be fed by this passage. Yeah. And it's going to challenge you or confront you or console you or afflict you. And that's actually good, because I think it actually draws us together as one. Yeah. And there is something about the the old, you know, way of thinking where if I hear if I hear a gospel or if I hear a homily and I go, I wish this person was hearing this because they they need to hear this because they're doing something wrong and, and the priest or the gospel pointed out in his homily or in the gospel itself what they're doing wrong. They should have been here to hear this. Where where the tendency is not to say what do I need to change about myself because mm. of this mm-hmm. gospel or this homily. And so there is something about I love the fact that we have pericopes, right? Electionary sections of scripture that we hear. We all hear it together, the entire church, whether it's Roman or Byzantine, different lectionary, but you, you, everybody within that church hears the same gospel. And then you can reflect upon that gospel and say, you know, what, what is this saying to me and what is it saying to the whole community? And also the priest preaches not just to one section of the crowd, but to every person. Right, know? right. And he, and he has to, or it's a bad homily. Right. You know, it, it, it needs to be themes that are at least applicable to everybody in that community mm-hmm. you know w- whatever that community is um which is usually universal because that's what a parish is people from all walks of life bongos all right next yeah <laughs> next you remember that i don't oh that's what a uh, d mac and what is that guy's oh. name big al used to say on the drive with uh 104 they threw the fan they'd get to like certain points and then it was just like all right bongos and then they played bongos and then they're on to the next topic oh okay so nice. four. We need bongos for this. Four. I wish. Anamnesis. Anamnesis, however you pronounce it. Okay. So the the remembrance. This is the part where we remember what God has done. Mm-hmm. We thank him for it. Regret it. We have gratitude for it. But there's a, a looking back and saying, if God is unchangeable, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If God is unchangeable, the same, and we know what he's done in the past, then what can we have hope in? What can we have faith in? What can we say by looking back and remembering and praising God for what he's already done? How how does that impact, in this case, the life? It, it impacts the liturgy immensely because all this stuff happened in time in the past. How does it impact the life of interdependence within a community? I would say that the do this in remembrance of me is he doesn't say do things, mm. you know, do have have different ways of remembering me. Right. This. There's one thing that we do, and it affects many persons. And to me, like, you mentioned this in a previous podcast, that once you get to that point in the liturgy, there's nothing more you can do. You're just reading off of a page. Mm-hmm. It's actually really helpful. Mm-hmm. It's it's peaceful because like I can't screw this up. Yep, I shouldn't screw this up. Um, and uh, and I think that there's a there's a satisfaction in that knowing that ultimately that's why people are there anyways. They may judge 
liturgies or masses based on the homily, right. the objective quality of the mass is still uh, powerful regardless of the experience, yeah. you know? So, yeah. And that, and that there's something about the the remembrance of whether it's actually the apostles or you have good community happening or um, just a, a remembering the good things God has already done uh, for the sake of the, the hope for the future. So if if I have within my community, if I think like we so often do, oh, things were better with my family or things were better with other families or things were better before Vatican II or things were better with the past, whatever. We, we have all these like, oh, things were better back then. Um, you know, that, that this assures that, that God is as active and we can actually look to specific things he's done in the past to have assurance, hope, in other words, of the, the continued work. So if you have if you have a community that that St. Paul describes has all of these gifts and these gifts are necessary to build up the kingdom of God in the community, then you can say, I guarantee you, God is prov- going to provide me with community that, that, that those exact same gifts are being used. So I can go through the lists that St. Paul gives us in the various epistles of the various gifts that God gives, and I can say, where is that in our community? And if, if I'm not finding it, Either our community is not big enough, or we're just not discerning our gifts correctly, and we need to be doing that to make sure that that we are a fully functioning community, completely interdependent on each other, and we've actually identified my gifts and your gifts that that allow this community to not be a community of independent people or codependent people, but interdependent people. And I would say that you know Jesus has fashioned it this way, such that. Uh, we will continue to say the Mass until the end of time. Mm-hmm. So he's allowing himself to be uh, prayed into the world every day at every hour in so many different moments. And the moment that we no longer need that will be the moment in which it's done. Yeah. It's the eschaton. Yeah. No more Masses. Yeah. You know? My parishioners are literally going to be saying... Uh, so uh, what's the intention of this Mass for? Hmm. And I'm going to be like, there's no more intentions. Right. <laughs> Literally. That's true. Like, they're going to say to Jesus, when Jesus is like, you know, I am the Lamb of God, the, behold, one stands slain. They're going to say, and who is this divine liturgy for? Right. You know? Can I can I offer it for my nephew? No, you can't. It's over. Yeah. Your nephew's either in heaven or not. We're done. It was a very specific purpose for that, and that purpose is fulfilled. It's like you don't fast on a feast day. Why? Because fasting has a very specific purpose that is no longer necessary on a feast day. Yeah. So fa- feast on a feast day because the, the need for fasting is done. Um, I want to read this tweet real quick that I saw. Oh, please tell me. I'm, I'm not a Twitter pro. I just retweeted it. Okay, here we go. Um, this is, I should probably give her the credit. Um, at end of days woman. Um, at end of days woman. She says, of course there is no marriage in heaven. Marriage is about death, and there is no death in heaven. Oh, wow. Isn't that beautiful? Pretty good. It's like death to self, sacrifice of self. <laughs> it, it's a tweet. It's, it's very simple, but it, I like I, it. I retweeted it because it, was, it yeah. was striking to me. I think it's good. Yeah. And okay. It, it, it's, it's just something. I, I never thought of it that way. Just like... Shout out to Elizabeth Alasco. Had you ever considered? I asked her to do a an icon for me for our Byzantine rally of Jesus, Our Lady of the Watermelons, uh, Sandy. Oh. Yeah, different different icon, but that that was funny that uh, Lizroy posted. Um, so it, it's so she did an icon of Jesus pulling Peter out of the water. Yeah, we, we all know the story. And she said, and I never thought of it this way: Jesus told Peter and the other apostle to be fishers of men. And here Jesus is literally fishing a man out of huh. water. Nice. And I'm like that. So she added like a fishnet and a fish to the icon just in her own style. And I thought there, I need to reflect on that a little bit because Jesus asked any fishers of men, Peter included. And now he's literally a man who is scared and afraid and not focusing on the right thing. Hmm. And it is our role as those in persona Christi, especially in vocations to the priesthood to, to to help be in Christ's place in removing fear and orient people to the right thing, which is what Peter was lacking. He was afraid and not looking at the right thing. So anyway, I got to think about it more, but... Bongos. Bongos. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Um, guess what next? Five. Epiclesis. Epiclesis. How are you pronouncing? Oh, nice. It? I used to drive one of those. 
<laughs> eclipse. That you're thinking. Epiclus. Epiclus. So epiclus just means uh, um, what calling down. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, is the part of the liturgy when we actually we remember something that's the anamnesism. What Christ has already done, and then we say we ask the Holy Spirit to come down and do it again. We mm-hmm. ask the Holy Spirit to be present and do what He does um, to bring the grace that's actually going to change the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. Yeah. Um, but this is the moment of prayer, of our dependence upon God and calling upon him. Oh, yeah. I mean, we call it epiclesis, um, the um, same word, different uh, pronunciation. pronunciation, and different moment in the liturgy because you actually do it after you've done the words of institution. Correct. We do it beforehand. What I would say is um, at that moment, the people are both seeing and hearing the um, it happened because at that moment that's when we ring the bells, mm-hmm. and I would say that there really is a dependent moment on that because for the people they're waiting for that. If you don't ring the bells at that moment, people get a little bit like, mm-hmm. like I wonder if it's similar like when you like ting the ting the patent, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. and you have that little what's the thing of the star we call it a star yeah star, it's like a tripod you know for like pizzas you know like they put the pizza you know box it's the same purpose actually. Yeah. yeah so then uh you have that start but then you like you clang it on the patent yeah and it makes the sound of, if you don't make that sound people are like what you know like there is a there is a there is a sensory experience yep. to the liturgy that they want to see that it was done yeah and they also want to hear that it's done yep. there's kind of a satisfaction in knowing yeah Back in the day, in the in the Roman rite, they used to ring a bell ring a bell when the priest received communion. I always hmm. thought that was really interesting. That is interesting. It was like the consummatum, hmm. like you 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 had proclaimed all of this, and then there had been a recipient, and it's fulfilled its purpose. It's fulfilled its purpose, yeah. right? But like, I I don't think it's good because then you you literally have to ring a bell every single time. Oh. You know, it'd be like Long John Silver's. Okay. You know, every time you every time you go in there, you're ringing that bell. <laughs> Nice. And and there is something, too, about what you mentioned earlier about, about the anamnesis. Uh, even if a community is if a community is, ha- is on a hard times and they are not doing well and they're all fighting, but you can you can gather in prayer to ask the Holy Spirit to come down and to change something. And that there's something about it. We don't even need to think like, like if we normally gather for prayer as a community and we all have our we all have our intentions and we all prophesy and speak in tongues and interpret tongues. I mean, all these things that St. Paul talks about at some point, those can be very subjective and I can reject the works of the Holy Spirit because of my mindset. I can be depressed. I can be mad. I can be overly happy and I can I can kind of get that wrong. I can impose too much of myself into the the more personal prayer aspects. But when it comes to epiclesis, what is Jesus says, this is how you are to pray. And he gives the Our Father. There's something about saying, you know, memorized, structured, read prayer, especially if we're calling upon the Holy Spirit, which is what happens in the Epiclesis, and asking him to come down, join us, and change us. That it, it really doesn't matter what mindset we're in. Because we're, we're calling upon God, who doesn't change, to come down and to change us. And, and to fix us and to give us the grace to bring us Christ and bring us into that one body of Christ. So I think there is something about this when it comes to community and interdependence. We can say it's about humility. This is where, this is where all my effort is still not going to change enough and it's still sure. not going to build the community. We right. need God to come down, yeah. come to where we are, and, it, and, and it's not about our effort as nearly as much as it's about God's going to come down and fix it himself. And we all need to be humble enough to say, we are not necessary. We, this is not a community of codependence. We, I am not necessary. Uh, God is necessary. He's the only one that is. And we're going to call upon him to be the necessary aspect of our faith that then allows us to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is the Elijah and the ball moments, you mm-hmm. know, where it's like, you you can scream and cut yourself and shout and whatever, but like, if God doesn't show up... yeah. You know, you're you're out on a limb. But if God does show up and you call upon him and he didn't just he didn't just come down randomly, right? He came down because you called him yeah. in faith. Yeah. You know, then all of a sudden like, you know, he laps up the whole trough. Yeah. So And this is like why using the Lord's name in vain is wrong, because you you're you're saying his name and you're calling upon him and he comes and then you're not but it's not in prayer. You're right. using his name as, as a randomly and ding then, dong ditch yeah and then he comes and then you're not paying attention to him so yeah lame bongos do, do, do. um six uh, communion reception of huh. the holy eucharist yeah any thoughts 
Well, I would say, I mean, that's the moment in which uh, if communion's just about me, then I think we miss out on how many persons can benefit from uh, the reception of uh, of communion. Yep. And so we should go with intentions, but also like when we go to communion, we can offer that for other persons. Mm-hmm. So we can intend like, I want this the graces of this Mass to go out to the sick, the suffering, the poor, those who travel mm-hmm. by sea, air, and land, all of that. But then also like people in our own community, people in our own family, parts of ourself, and then having received it, it's not just for me. Yeah. I receive this in order that I may uh, further benefit others. And you're jumping it into number seven, but... Really? That's, yeah. <laughs> that's well, okay. I mean, but I mean, the communion itself... I mean, when people receive, sometimes I see them, they go back to their pews, and then they're just looking at other persons. Mm. And I'm like, you should be looking at all the people that you've been called to pray for. And if you're looking at the other persons as people that you're praying for, fine. But I can tell when you're looking at persons like, and praying for them, and when you're looking at persons like, oh my gosh, what are they wearing? Oh, that's a cute baby. Oh, how much longer? You know? Right. Right. And there's something about the the communion too. I mean, this is I know, I know there's different rules in the Byzantine Roman churches, but there's something about um, what what is the Roman rule? You can receive Eucharist twice in one day, a third time if it's a wedding or a funeral, something like that. No, uh, lay people can only receive twice in one day. Okay, twice in one day. A priest they add on a third time if it's a wedding or a funeral. Priests like can receive three times in one day as long as they're celebrating Mass. Okay, okay. But th- there's something about, and also there's a rule in the Roman Church that if, if you if you arrive after the Gospel, you should not receive, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're not there in, for the liturgy, it's not just a communion service. Yeah, you know, exactly. And, and right. that, that all this makes complete sense. All of it does. Yeah. And th- there's been abuses in the past that are there explicit, but there's something about... If if I if I've already received that day and I for some reason get invited by a friend as a layperson to go to another mass or even as a priest and I just mm-hmm. attend, yeah. there's something very weird. I, I think there's something beautiful about saying when I receive the Eucharist, I'm receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. That is something that I am receiving. So He and I are bonded together. But I'm also bonded with the rest of the body of Christ, every other baptized Christian in the world, and I am being bonded in communion, in union to those people gathered in that church that received from that, right. from from you know from the one loaf of bread in the busy church or from the one. Uh, Saborium in the Roman Church, right? So there's something bonding about multiple multiple levels of bonding. So there's also something of saying within within the community, like if you tell a couple they're fighting, and you say you need to say to each other, if you're married, you need to say to each other, we are married. Divorce is not an option. True. And if you say that to a couple, it's almost like saying we are we are a community of interdependence. We are united in the Holy Eucharist. Leaving the body of Christ is not an option. So yeah. therefore, we have to sort this out. What did Leah say to you the other day? I don't remember. She said she wants you to be her best friend in Leodero, and she said... Either it's e- going to happen in this life <laughs> exactly. or the Exactly. And she's like, why not be my friend now? Because heaven's a long time to refuse to be my friend. <laughs> so there, there's something about saying... It's true. Let, let's get this together now because we are objectively members of the body of Christ. We've now received the Eucharist together, so why not act like it? Let's act. Let's start acting like the reality of, of what we are. I know, but I mean, in the eschaton, the lion yes. will lie down with the lamb, you know, so, and the the child who will, is who with the adder, you know, <laughs> who is who? Funny yeah, who is who? <laughs> who is who? Where ox and ass are sleeping. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> you know what I'd argue for. Okay, what did I? What was I jumping ahead for? What's number seven? Number seven is what we call the Ambon prayer or the dismissal. Yeah. So it, it's 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 being sent. It's 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 taking what we received. <laughs> Go make dipper bands. We can make dipper bands. Exactly. Like that moment. It is. It's poor Steve Angrizano is probably like I hate that podcast because you know, <laughs> dude, you made a lot of money on that song. God bless you. And, and you've inspired a lot of people with that song. Don't get me wrong. You think he listens? I, I know somebody. Somebody <laughs> listens who knows Steve Angrizano and is like, they're 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 saying something about Go Make a Difference again. It's a Catholic podcast called like, Make Fun of Go Make a Difference. It's they, not. They every single episode. <laughs> it's not. Um, so, but, but yeah, Ambon Prayer is where we, where we send people forth. Exactly. It's the priest giving the people a blessing to actually go back out into the real world again, leave the 
the kingdom of God as the way we've experienced it here and go build up the kingdom of God that is out there. Leave the bubble of, of these gathering of Christians yeah. who are all of basically of one mind and go out into the world and actually bring the grace of what you've received here. And, 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 and what, what was the phrase? Like, let the doors of the church fall open. Um, may the doors of the church fall open so that the whole world becomes the church. The whole world. Mm. And that, that's, that's our goal is to say, we are carrying within us, since we've received the Eucharist, we are carrying within us God. We're carrying within us the kingdom of God. And, and the, there's something about if we don't share it, we become gluttonous. If we don't share it, we become fat with the food we've received, we've hoarded it. And when, when a body hoards the food that is received, it gets fat, it gets gluttonous. Whereas if we actually use it, spend it, use the energy of the spirit of God in yeah. the world, we become healthy. And, right. and, and we benefit more by sharing the food we've received through the energy of the building of the kingdom of God than if we just say, as soon as I leave the church, I'm back to my normal nine to five for six days. I'm going to get, I'm going to get absurdly fat on, on the, on what God has given me and it's not going to be used well. Well, when we do, when we do marriage ceremonies, you always you give a threefold blessing at the end. Yeah. Sort of ramping it up because everybody's just super excited that the, it's almost done. But one of them, it says, may you be witnesses in the world to God's charity so that the afflicted and needy who have known your kindness may one day receive you thankfully into the mm. eternal dwelling of God. Instead of, instead of having received the Eucharist, our final prayers are, wasn't that so awesome? Wasn't that so great? Aren't we so good? Yeah. It's like, now that you've received that, go be witnesses to charity. Yeah. And like, don't make it just about you. Go out and serve other people. I had a Roman wedding on Friday, and I loved that because I thought the, the assumption of that prayer is that the needy are in heaven. It's like mm. the assumption is that they're in heaven, not you. If yeah, you we serve don't know about them, it. Right, good point. you might get to go to heaven. But the, uh, the assumption is that the needy is very Luke, right? True. It's very Beatitudes. The needy are going to be in heaven, and so if you serve them, then they will greet you when you get there. Right. If you don't serve them, there's a risk you might not be able to go there, which is just a, a very cool thought about like poverty that. and poverty before Christ. That was a good exercise. Thank you. I that was tough. Your participation. That was tough, but you know, yeah. I think we got through it. Yeah, I'm excited, and now I can continue reflecting that I've done it in real time. And uh, real time reflect on it and see what can develop. We need that just brothers and sisters. We need to pray that Father Michael gets an outlet for his creative energies because when exactly. he's out there, like he's gonna have all these thoughts and he has to have find some way to to communicate with exactly. Others. I'm used to processing that here, so right. So we'll find it for you. All right, shout outs. All right, I have one. Um, several months ago, um, Deacon Hugh Downey and his uh, wife Marty. Um, they run this uh, foundation called His Work Foundation. I would certainly encourage you to check out His Work Foundation, which does uh, work in Africa. Um, uh, they are having uh, two people uh, come on their board of directors named Sean and Karen Miller, and they are from Kansas City. And Karen is a podcast listener. Ah. So uh, I guess her brother is goes to my parish. Um, I don't know who it is, but... Um, but they live in Kansas City and are coming out to Denver. I will just miss you guys because I will be on Villa uh, with the companions. But uh, till next time. So Sean and Karen Miller, thanks for listening. Check out His Work Foundation. Um, if you want to make a donation, they would certainly appreciate it. They just recently got a new website and they're super excited about it. But that's what I visited when I went to Africa in uh, January last year. Okay. So I have two shout outs and I'm trying to find one of them right now. Um, but the other one is uh, Patty Cecil, who you can describe your yes. reaction to her. Oh, I thought you spaghetti. said Cecil. Cecil, I think. Cecil. Cecil. Sorry, Patty. Cecil. I'm sorry. Whatever, whatever you have. There's a lady that. that makes Olo uh, some delicious <laughs> Italian food and he brings it home and she always packages it in like these nice containers, bags. You know, it's just, you know, clean the pasta was al dente she separated the sauce from the pasta and the other day i got home at nine o'clock at night i hadn't eaten dinner i was starving i look in the fridge in the fridge just to see what's in there and i find these leftovers and i remembered it was the same lady that made the italian food from before because she sent you home with baby gap i think twice she has a, a baby gap bag that she sends home with his uh, bread and everything. Nice. Anyways, thank you so much. She's a, what'd you say, a coordinator at Good she Shepherd? Does a, adult formation at uh, awesome. Good Shepherd, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and then um, I can't find the other one. Anyway, some somebody, some one of you, and I think there's a second one now that have sent me whiskey using Grizzly and Postmates. Yes. Drizzly. So, Drizzly, thank you. You can send alcohol using Drizzly, and then Postmates brings it to the door, and it is just an epic thing to receive for us. And when you have a Postmates person show up, they knock on the door, and they just hand you a bottle of whiskey from a listener. It was it was awesome. epic. And I can't find your name. I'm so sorry, bud. I will find it. We even communicated somehow. I can't figure out where it was. Um, but thank you wow. for that. I pre- And there's another one, I think, coming. I just saw a notification. I need to let them know when, I can, when I'll be home, but I'm obviously not home right now. So anyway. Thank so you. So thank you. Shoutouts all around. Bongos. Bongos. Interdependence. Um, yeah. Catholic Stuff Podcast. We're still holding it down. Father John will be back next week. Father Olo will be back in California next week. Um, and uh, till next time. Yeah, we miss you. Thank you. See you, man.